kill you. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Auntie Nanny. Um, I think it's kind of funny that um, take a week off and we just have a little bit of a glitch. Not too bad. Um, Stripper music. (laughs) It's funny. Hey, hey, Uh, Cypress Hill. Cypress Hill. I, you know, I don't know. I think that... Oh, yeah. Speaking of musicians, did anybody hear the wonderful news from the Video Music Awards last night? I did not, and I really thought you were kidding, Jan. No, I'm not (laughs) kidding. Uh, Kanye West, after his long rambling speech about smoking pot and thinking he was a good guy, um, managed to say at the end of it that in case you couldn't tell from his long rambling speech about smoking pot and half-ass apologizing to what's-her-face there, uh, Taylor Swift, that he was going to run for president in 2020. So, naturally, um, that kind of made me think of something H.L. Mencken said, and I'll just say it. Um... On some great and glorious day, the plain folks of the land will reach their heart's desire at last, and the White House will be adorned by a downright moron. So that that was my initial reaction to the news that Kanye West says he's running for president. So I don't know. I don't know if the candidates could get any worse, but um, I'm not super enthused. And I don't think he would say vaping. I'm just putting that out there. And and if you want diplomatic crisis, you'd have an excellent first lady for it. Every <laughs> state, know. every Did state she, dinner. You know, it's really sad. There's a picture on uh, Facebook. I don't usually talk about these jackasses, but there's a picture on Facebook, and it's a picture of Kim Kardashian from the side, and a picture of the penguin from the Batman movies, and they were both <laughs> wearing the same outfit. It's kind of disturbing. I think the penguin looked better. Just saying. <laughs> 
I know possibly. you guys needed to hear that. But um, I think the week off was a good thing. I needed to lighten up, and I did. And I did a bunch of reading, and I didn't get on social media till really late at night. It was it was it was good for me. So batteries recharged. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Batteries recharged. Yeah. I feel I feel a lot better. I don't feel like this stuff I'm going to read is is going to drag me down so much anymore. Um, what did you? I know you did something yesterday, Barry. Why don't you tell oh, me yes. a little about it? I went to school yesterday. Yeah. Okay. The Glasgow <laughs> nice. School, school of Vape Two. School of Vape Two. Yeah, it was a. I, I wouldn't. Say, it wasn't a vape meet. It was a vape event. Because it was like a vape meet. Loads of people there, talking and everything. But they had a rebuilding section to teach people how to rebuild. New Nicotine Alliance was there talking advocacy. And incidentally, advocacy was giving as much priority as the giveaways. Damn. Um, To the point where they raised £715 for the New Nicotine Alliance because it wasn't planned. But the vendors that were there and one of the online reviewers, Vaping with Vic, (laughs) Uh, donated loads of gear to be auctioned off for the New Nicotine Alliance. So, That's awesome. Yeah. That Excellent. is awesome. I can't tell you what good news that is. That's not the normal um, thing that seems to happen with events, I've noticed. Well, I mean, the, the organizer did a great job, and he is very pro-vaping. Hence, you know, every time he was doing an announcement, he was mentioning go over and sign up for the new nicotine alliance yeah so yeah good stuff very good and and i won some usa premium e-liquid yeah cloud chasing strength though so like three (laughs) milligram three and six god (laughs) you know and my husband came home from work today and i know Mm -hmm. this is supposed to be the not vaping vape show but um Paul came home today and said that he was talking to this lady. He had to go work on uh, some stuff at her house. And and uh, this lady vapes. You know, she had e-cigs out and, and her cigarettes. And and uh, Paul says, oh, you're still smoking too? And she says, yeah, I know I shouldn't. He said, well, he said, my wife doesn't say it. My wife always says it's count the ones you don't smoke, not the ones you do. And... <laughs> So he's talking to this woman, and so, she, you know, Paul goes on, you know, while well, I make drip tips and, you know, and I make e-liquid and blah, 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 blah. And she wants to know if there was any way to test this e-liquid that she got because she thinks it's way too strong. Right. The bottle says four milligram on it. All right. First off, do, do we now know why she's still smoking? Uh-huh. Yeah. Fucking four milligram on an ego twist? Really? What idiot sold her that and thought that it was going to help her quit smoking? Uh, uh, a bricks and mortar with lots of cloud chasing gear. Like, oh, oh dear God. Um, so then she's like, well, you know, and, and I put this, and I think it's way too strong because it made me throw up. What? Huh? Um... um no, I suppose she said anything about her ears ringing. She got dizzy, something like that. And he goes, no, she just said, you know, it, it made her gag and, and made her sick. And I said, well, what flavor was it? And he goes, um, she said it was licorice. And I'm like, <laughs> that explains that. Because licorice 
people know um, a, a lot of times with a high VG mix, you have to add in extra flavoring. Yeah. So if this is somebody that's not really familiar with flavoring, and there are a lot of people out there selling e-liquid that are not familiar with flavorings, they probably put like 10% or something in there. Yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking that's just your natural gag reflex right there. Not just <laughs> that. If it's one of these organically extracted flavorings... Uh, Licorice, aniseedy type stuff is a natural emetic. So, yeah, (laughs) your stomach ain't going to like that either. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) Literally, yeah, if you you take too much aniseed or um, aniseed-like compounds, yeah, your stomach's going to tell you all about it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so poor woman, I feel really bad for this woman. Um, but the four milligram really kind of explains to me why she's still smoking and can't seem to give up her cigarettes. Yeah, uh, well, uh, I can't imagine she's going to have the greatest of luck with just a licorice flavor either. Hey, come on. I've I've gone down to 24 and 20. <sighs> I can't get off 24. Can't. Yeah. Well, Tried. That's, that's can't. the 35 watts I'm using. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I'm using like 13 or 14 now, so I've I've moved way up. Still can't get off of 24. I just assume that's where I'm going to be, you know, until the government intervenes. And yay. Well, much much as I... I I would have stayed up at 30 milligram, but Mm -hmm. that that TPD thing's approaching. um, I know. I might not be able to get higher than 20 next year. So, Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, sub-tank, up the wattage... (laughs) <laughs> lower the nicotine so um, it's, it's helping some yeah I'm guessing okay well um, I'm still going, I'm going I, through more liquid funnily enough <laughs> yeah you will so I guess before we do anything else let me see if she's around um, I think before we get into the news We'll do the CASA update. It should okay. be really, really quick. Um, okay, I shall find should... the relevant person. Thank you. Sorry about that. If that echoed. <laughs> that was me putting my pop filter where it goes. I don't think Hello. Hi. Um, I'm good. Uh, let me just, good evening and welcome to the CASA update for the week of 8-31-2015. Hi, Julie. How are you this evening? I am doing great. How are you guys? Good. So you just came back from an event? I did. I was in San Antonio, Texas at Vape Blast. And it was a lot of fun. There were about 5,000 attendees and um, very well-run event, must say. Excellent. Honestly, the regional events are very good for us. Um, mm-hmm. People have more time to kind of wander around and visit, and it's not quite the, the glitz and the – people have time to shop and talk. Right. Yeah. Um, so it, it worked out really well and the event does a lot of things that, um, really drive traffic. I mean, I, I think 
I'm going to be honest. I think there are a lot of events that say they do advocacy, but there really isn't a serious commitment to it. It's more of an advertising thing. Um, Whereas some of these other events are pretty serious about it. And so, for example, at Vape Blast, they were always up in the, the center area driving traffic to CASA, whether it was having you know, raffles. If you join CASA, you get a raffle ticket for a special raffle and things wow. like that. It's really nice. And I cracked it. I met, saw a lot of people that I've met before, of course, because we've done Texas a few times. But right. Keith Holt with Texas Safada, I got to give that guy a shout out. He has more energy than any human being I know and he was walking around the event with his cell phone and he had pulled up the CASA join page you know our our short join page where you just have to enter some basic information and he's walking around the event going up to people saying hey have you signed up for CASA it'll only take a minute and then he hands his phone over (laughs) wow that's really that's cool Oh, yeah. So um, we we had quite a few new signups, and so that was really a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. So what's been going on besides Vape Blast? Uh, Well, you know, um, we've got the usual suspects. California continues to go insane, um, (laughs) and the... The California Safada folks and not blowing smoke are doing a really good job of um, spearheading some efforts. We encourage people to keep up with those sites. I mean, they are California. And so they've got the latest breaking information. But our call to action for California is still active. And if you live in California, have a California address, and you haven't yet responded, please do so. I mean, now is the time to speak up. Because they're in special session and they're looking to ramrod through some pretty serious stuff. Um, We've also got our call to action for HR 2058. Mm -hmm. And that's still active. And and it occurs to me, I I don't know how many people really understand how important this grandfather date is. I mean, it's such a a simple bill. And it it moves the grandfather date up to um, a point where basically the products that are on the market now would be covered. And that compares and contrasts to a grandfather date back in 2007. And the reason why this is so important is products that are on the market as Mm -hmm. of the grandfather date, they're still going to have to go through registration processes and they're still going to be regulated by the FDA, by regulations that will come out down the road, um, you know, in terms of, manufacturing standards and such, um, but they don't have to go through a pre-market application process. And if you come on board after the grandfather date, which is everybody, if if we're talking 2007, um, then you have to go through a really rigorous um, process. And, And really to kind of drive this home, the whole idea of the Tobacco Control Act was a recognition like, look, we've got some tobacco products that are on the market. Nothing we can do about that. But what we can do is make it virtually impossible for new products to come onto the market. And unfortunately, that's what we're getting caught up in, legislation that's designed to make it impossible. So that's why the grandfather date is so important. You know, any, any date 
that that has the effect of freezing technology is bad. Right. You know, we don't think that this is um, the solution, but it's certainly a very good short-term solution to buy us more time to continue to fight, to continue to fight to get more reasonable regulation that's genuinely beneficial for right. consumers because there's nothing about this that works for us. <laughs> I mean, this no. is really, really bad. So oh. it is important that people respond to the call to action. Get get your representative to um, support it and, and ideally co-sponsor it. Oh, exactly. I, I don't think anybody or any of the new vapors really understand what it was like to walk around with a sick like in 2007, 2008, 2009. Um, oh, but we they, wouldn't even have those. Exactly. No. <laughs> well, no, we... Actually, the one the, the companies that will likely be able to get through the PMTA process because we know that somebody's going to have to go through it and get right. through it. I mean, the FDA can't just deny everything, but it, it's going to be the, the large tobacco companies with the closed systems, the Sigalikes, which yep. are perfectly acceptable products um, for what they're intended to do, but they're not really intended to help people make a complete transition. They're really designed to be used when you can't smoke. I, yeah. I mean, it really is that simple. Because the yeah. tobacco companies, I don't know that they particularly care whether you're smoking their cigarettes or vaping their cigalikes. Yeah, you know, doesn't really matter to them. No, so yes, twenty fifty eight. Do do that. I did want to mention real quick. Did you have anything else you wanted to say on twenty fifty eight other than get busy and yes. do it? Mm-hmm. Um, Chicago is talking about taxing e-cigarettes because Chicago um, wants to become, I, I don't know, like the new New York or something. I don't know. It's pretty <laughs> ridiculous. But but um, they're looking to tax e-cigarettes. They've got some budget shortfalls, and they're going to make people pay for their trash and, and tax e-cigarettes. And they do have some um, town hall meetings that are coming up. And um, actually, hold on. Chicago. Let me pull up that information. I apologize. I should have had that right out. Um, Okay, here it is. We've got a town hall meeting on um, Monday, well, today at Malcolm X College, September 2nd at South Shore Cultural Center and September 3rd at Wright College, um, and all of them are starting at 6.30 p.m., and they're designed to deal with with the budget issues, but it's possible that they'll be discussing e-cigarette taxes, and for those who um, feel like they can make the time to do it, it, it might be a really good event to show up and and speak up on behalf of products that are actually saving lives. And, you know, when these cities pass these onerous taxes, all they do is close down the businesses um, because yeah. it, it people will go outside the city in order to get their products. We're going to see that in D.C. Oh, yeah. um, we will lose the businesses most likely in D.C., which is just a, a travesty. Um, so I wanted to mention that. And then the last thing I wanted to mention is that – you know, of course, the testimonials, which are near and dear to my heart. That's like my favorite project that we do. Yes. And we, we hit the 5,000 mark, which is pretty nice. awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's even more exciting is there's been a clamor for an international effort. And EVAN, which is the European Union um, Consumer Coalition, which is made up of various different countries, they have hosted on their site a testimonials um, 
website, and it mirrors Casas. Um, as many people may know, um, Stefan Didak had actually prepared a plug-in for us. He, he made it for COSA so that we could um, showcase our testimonials, and um, he he agreed to share it with Yvonne. And, and, of course, you know, we were thrilled that he agreed to do that. So they've now got our plug-in, and they've got their site up and running. And the goal is we'll have a few more organizations involved, and eventually we're going to have an international site where we're going to mirror our testimonials from the various countries onto that international site. Um, so each each group will still have their own testimonials, but we'll periodically upload those, copy them to at the international site, and we very much like having, um, you know, for example, a U.S. specific site, an EU specific site. It's very helpful in terms of um, our advocacy efforts at those levels. Right. But we can combine our numbers and um, maybe do a little bit more with the international site. So look for that in the coming months. But in the meantime, um, if you're a European, um, we've got. This, well, not we, Yvonne has the site up, and we'll go ahead and provide a link. It is my story, M Y S T O R Y dot E V U N dot org. And boy, they've got they've got some work because they've got so many different countries and they're busy collecting translations um, for the instructions and, and stuff. So the the website will evolve. I mean, it's in its very early stages, so be forgiving. But they're trying to make it as accessible as they can for their European members. So that's it. That's what I've got. Excellent. Did Excellent. I do it in less than 15 minutes? Well, it might have gone over by a minute or two, but not by much. <laughs> Good. Yay. Okay. Yay. Listen, guys, thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for coming on. And did on you guys and... have any questions real quick? Nope. No. Excellent. Okay, I'll talk to you later. And hopefully next week, Alex will be back doing his thing. All right. Thank you, Julie. Have a great night. Bye. Bye. Okay. All right. So there you go, Barry. Yeah. Oh, I was aware it was happening. (laughs) Oh, I, I know. I just... I think it's good to get the word out, not that, you know, I don't know how many international people listen to this show, but it is an international show. Oh, yeah. Wait, no, no, okay. you do you, you do have quite a few people from lots of places listening. Oh, that's sweet. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't even know where to begin because it's really two weeks worth of stuff I've got to cram in here. Because uh, I took a week off last week, and uh, as you can imagine, privacy issues did not go away, <laughs> and the government did not get any less corrupt. I'm sorry to tell you. So, um, here's a good one. If you live in San Jose, the city of San Jose is looking to attach automatic license plate readers to garbage trucks. Because automatic license plate readers just aren't efficient enough, what with their ability to capture hundreds, if not thousands, of plate scans per hour, 
San Jose's city government is looking to deputize other businesses and their vehicles in its quest to achieve 100% coverage of the city. Mayor San Lucano and Councilman Jerry Camus and Paul Polaris proposed that the city consider strapping license plate readers to the front of garbage trucks, allowing them to record the plates of every car along their routes. The data would be fed directly to the police department from the privately operated trash trucks, prompting an officer to respond to stolen vehicles or cars involved with serious crime. We can cover every street at least once a week and possibly deter thieves from coming into our city, Camus said. A committee chaired by Lucaros that set the council's agenda voted Wednesday to continue exploring the idea. San Jose won't be the first city to use non-police vehicles to do its plate scanning. Um, earlier this year, Hampton, Virginia has mounted ALPR to city vans and uses the data collected to chase down the city's tax evaders, a term that includes anyone who owes $5 or more to the city. Another town doesn't even use a city vehicle. Isle of Wright completely outsourced its plate scanning efforts, putting it solely in the hands of a private company with its own plate scanners. While it's true that a vehicle parked on a public street or one that can be viewed from a public street has no expectation of privacy, the amount of data gathered still raises privacy-related concerns. It's one thing to view a vehicle on a public street with a set of human eyes. It's quite another when the set of eyes compiles thousands of plate location records and stores them for weeks or months. Once that happens, it's no longer just random cars on random streets. It's long-term tracking. At this point, the plan is still in its proposal stages. City officials say at least one sanitation company is already on board with the proposed program. Camus said Wednesday, action is only the first step in a long process. The proposal calls for city officials to explore the feasibility, legality, and civil liberties implications of garbage truck-mounted license plate readers. Questions the council members asked the city to consider include the processes of transferring license data from the private trucks to the police, whether they would be subject to the same or different policies governing police car license readers, and whether other cities have taken similar measures and how they've worked. Beyond the civil liberties implications, the city needs to examine the reality of what it's doing, using public funds to purchase law enforcement equipment to place on private vehicles. And it needs to ask itself whether the people providing these funds, taxpayers, are on board with the use of private companies as an extension of law enforcement. It also needs to examine its motives thoroughly. Just because there's no expectation of privacy doesn't necessarily mean government bodies should strive for 100% exploitation of these areas. So, yeah. Not shocking. Um, and you live in one of the most heavily surveilled places on earth. Very, how do you feel about that? Yeah, well, as I say, we have um, laws protecting privacy, even with all the public surveillance. So, yeah, here the police can't just do what they like um, because there are checks and balances in place to stop them doing it. But you're always going to have the people who try and get around the rules, bend them, break them. Mm. So you just got to keep an eye on it. Um, But yeah, Yeah. (laughs) the protection of privacy seems to be a lot stronger in Europe in general than it seems to be elsewhere. Yeah. Where police seem to do whatever they like, basically. 
Yeah, you know, um, it is kind of troubling the things you see here. I saw a video pop up on Facebook, which I wish I hadn't seen, because I don't really have a problem with law enforcement. I think they have a hard job, and I think they're trying to do a hard job. Um, but they pulled over a black man who happened to have his video camera running in his car. And, you know, he was trying to explain to the cop that it felt very intimidating to be followed. And he didn't understand what he did wrong. And the cop said, well, you didn't signal 100 feet from a turn. I don't know really anybody who does that except very, very elderly people. But, okay, that might be a viable reason for it. But when he pressed the cop further, the cop looked at him and said, it's because you made direct eye contact with me. Yeah. That's troubling to me. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, it's a bad thing to say, but a lot of, a lot of law enforcement are out there looking for a reason to pull you over. Well, I think you. a lot of it comes down to a lot of places make a hell of a lot of revenue off this. Oh, yeah. You know, um, I, there's a city down here when I moved here. There were stories in USA Today about, you know, if you speed in this county, their their fees are astronomical for tickets. And they make 100% of their police force budget from traffic tickets. Well, I have, I have a... It's, it's related, but I, I have personal experience of this. Okay. I was... What, the actual job title was parking attendant in Edinburgh. Okay. But people basically call that traffic wardens. Uh, All right. You'd call it it's similar to a meter maid in the US, but over okay. here, a bit stricter. Mm-hmm. And I was doing that job, and we went on strike. Okay. Uh, the strike, we only went on strike for two days before the city council basically told the company we were working for, give them what they want. It was costing them £50,000 a day in parking revenue for us being on strike. It's just crazy. Uh, The amount of money that gets made from that. I I don't know that it really creates... And I'll tell you something. I think it creates fear of the law. And once you create fear of the law, um, you're basically taking away that basic thing that's supposed to civilize and bind together a society. Well, go ahead. I I really don't think I have a problem with people getting speeding tickets. Um if everybody thinks the speed limit should be 65, then, you know, we need to work towards getting that done. But um If I get a speeding ticket, and believe me, I've I've gotten many. <laughs> we will just leave it at many. Um, and I deserved every one I got. Um, that in and of itself has not made me afraid of the police okay. in any way. Um, I, I've never been told by a cop that I made direct eye contact with them. Neither have I. And that I, I needed to be questioned for that. That that would give me pause. Yes. Um, but I just, I don't, I don't want, I don't even know how to say this. Um, cops have a job to do. Don't they do? And, 
And a lot of them do it exactly as it should be done. Um, and some don't. I think the bigger issue is the some that don't. Um, but making eye contact with somebody just does not seem like a defensible reason. reason. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, you know, a lot of the things that a lot of the trends, put it this way, that I see news media wise it's not looking very good it's good for the three or four percent of cops that are jackasses it's good to be exposed you know what i mean your name should be out there in lights when you do something wrong and illegal and you are sworn to uphold the law that's just my opinion so i I don't know i just think there's a disconnect just like there's a disconnect between people and government. And I don't think that's something that's going to go away. And, and I think that's why you see third party candidates becoming so popular or even people. I'll, I'll tell you, I don't think 10 years ago, someone like Bernie Sanders would have had a shot and look at him now. I mean, he's beating the crap out of Hillary, Hillary, which is good. He should be. Um, she should never, be, ever, ever be president. But I think maybe the bigger issue is who really should be. I don't know that there's anyone qualified out there that should be doing it. Now, I certainly don't think Hamsterhead Trump should be running for president. <laughs> I don't think he's a bit qualified. I think he's a loudmouth. Um, I, I think he could lead us into bankruptcy like nobody's business. I'm Sorry, not sure I've got that's a, a link to that. for running. Yeah, and he knows how to do that because he's done it <laughs> a bunch. Exactly. But I don't know. You definitely see a disconnect between. You definitely see a disconnect between what the people actually want and what they're getting from the people they duly elect. I just wonder when the point's going to come where they go, "Fuck it." Well, Either I- it's go ahead. What bothers me is I find it very disturbing, um, and there are a lot of people that don't even acknowledge that this is happening. But the amount of people that go into a voting booth and cast a vote based on, well, I think this guy can fuck up the least amount of shit. Voting for the lesser of two evils doesn't mean that you're voting for good I mean, evil is still evil, basically. So uh, there's no easy solution to that. I mean, I know what I would like to see. I, I have a problem with the fact that there's a disconnect between the three branches that were supposed to provide a sort of disconnect and a sort of gridlock so that things did not get ramrodded through onto people who didn't want it to happen to them. We weren't supposed to be a classic democracy. We were not supposed to be the kind of place where mob rule ran the country. We were supposed to be the kind of place where everybody got some sort of equal representation. And there was no mob rule. That's simply not the case today. But to get even further from that, what's also simply not the case is the people definitely have no say in the government at least in the federal government. And it's completely run by big business interests. Now, how do you expect to get fair representation with that? 
Well, I mean, politics these days. <laughs> basically, <laughs> yeah. basically, I'm of the opinion the whole world is now a reality TV show. Because politics it's... is done by media now. Well, it's News kind of like a cartoon. Like a joke. Um, <laughs> well, it's so, more yeah. like a cartoon than anything else, really. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's my opinion. We're in a giant reality show. Uh, <laughs> at some point, some alien's going to come down with a big microphone to interview people. <laughs> well, that that would be a big switch from them coming down with a big probe and going to the cornfield and trying to find Cletus and probe him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I drifted far afield. I didn't mean to. So, the FDA finally did something. <laughs> well, they, they do a lot of shit, Jan. It's just most of it is never good. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> no, it's not. Um, although, they did move the date on comments to September 30th. That, that We forgot to mention that in the COSOP date, so I'll mention it now. Um yeah, so the FDA will not tolerate eggless, eggless sandwich spreads that purport to be just mayo. Real mayo isn't just a Heinz slogan. No, in the great United States, real mayo is something defined in the code of federal regulations. Let's examine it ourselves in Title 21. Um, chapter 1, Food and Drug Administration, Department of Health and Human Services, Subchapter B, Food for Human Consumption, Part 169, Food Dressings and Flavorings, Subpart B, Requirements for Specific Standardized Food Dressings and Flavors, Section 140, Mayonnaise. Description. Oh, yeah. Well, that's government for you. Um, description. Mayonnaise is the emulsified semi-solid food prepared from vegetable oils. One or both of the acidifying ingredients specified in paragraph B of this section and one or more of the yolk-containing ingredients specified in paragraph C of this section. One or more of the ingredients specified in paragraph D of this section may also be used. The vegetable oils may contain an optimal crystallization inhibitor as specified in paragraph D7 of this section. All the ingredients from which this food is fabricated shall be safe and suitable. Mayonnaise contains not less than 65% by weight of vegetable oil. Mayonnaise may be mixed and packaged in an atmosphere where the air is replaced in whole or in part by carbon dioxide or nitrogen. Uh, this definition has become an actual problem for Hampton Creek, a San Francisco-based food technology company and maker of eggless mayo substitute just mayo. The issue, as you might have guessed from our brief dip into the federal code, is that the FDA does not believe that just mayo is in fact mayo. Specifically, the FDA feels that just mayo and release related Hampton Creek products purport to be the standardized food mayonnaise due to the misleading name and imagery used on the label, but do not qualify as the standardized food mayonnaise as described under 21 CFR 169.140. This is from a warning letter sent from the FDA to Hampton Creek CEO Joshua Tarek via overnight mail dated August 12th and posted online Tuesday. The FDA also notes that Hampton Creek makes certain claims about nutrient content and healthiness of its products, but that the products themselves don't meet the FDA's bar for being able to make such boasts. 
the upshoot of all of this is that the FDA has deemed Hamptons Creek Just Mayo products misbranded under Section 403 of the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act. You might say Hamptons Creek has impunged the integrity of mayonnaise itself. Mayonnaise is a food for which a definition and standard form of identity has been prescribed by regulation, the FDA writes. These products do not conform to the standards for mayonnaise. Hampton Creek is expected to take prompt action to correct the violations, which surely means either changing the name or its signature product or fighting the agency. Either way, that promises to be a giant headache for Hampton Creek, which only just got past a lawsuit over the definition of mayonnaise bought by the maker of Hellman's. So, yeah, tough break. Though it's kind of funny to think that the one thing Silicon Valley might not, might not be able to disrupt isn't taxis or laundry or 9-11 or even food in general. It's emulsified semi-solid food. Mm. Yeah, it gets very extreme <laughs> when you can't even use the name yeah. on the packaging. Yeah, so I thought... Potentially they can't even say mayonnaise substitute. Yeah. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So can't, couldn't they couldn't they say I can't believe it's not mayo? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> because that that solidified spreadable plastic <laughs> that even bugs doesn't eat don't eat. Yeah. Well, you can't blame them for not eating it. It's plastic. It's, true, it's like one it's one molecule away from plastic. Isn't I, it? I can't believe it's not butter. Uh my my cousin left accidentally a open container of it in her garden. Right. And she she found it nearly a year later and it still looked the same and it didn't have any bugs in it. Right. That is disgusting. Mm-hmm. That is really... That is nasty. She's like, I don't think I'm going to buy this anymore. Why were you <laughs> buying it in the first place? It's horrible. <laughs> you know, Jan, do you have a stick blender? Yeah. I do. Do you make your own mayonnaise? I don't eat mayonnaise, so no. Okay, never mind. <laughs> but I mean, it would be easy enough. It's just eggs, oil, sometimes vinegar, right? A little well, bit of vinegar, touch of mustard. Spi- yeah, spices. A touch of mustard, yeah. But I mean, you can make your own mayonnaise with a stick blender and a glass in literally 30 seconds. And what kills me is in all of this bullshit that you just read, nowhere mm. in there does it say that, you know, you can't put preservatives in there that will mummify your corpse for the next 50 <laughs> years. Because that's okay. That's yeah. still real mayonnaise. Well, yep. that's how the FDA defines real. So yeah. I, did, I did like it was Hellman's that brought the, the, the last oh, of course. case against of this company. Course. Like One, you can't the Nestle between... Corporation, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's what regulations do. They protect the big guy, and they put the little guy out of business. Oh, and Upstomp is in the chat taking notes about you, Jan. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I, I don't know if that should make you happy or make you afraid, but Upstomp is taking notes that you don't, no mayonnaise for you and no TV. <laughs> well, yeah, don't worry about it. I'm, I'm sure whatever notes you're taking on me are not, anywhere near as thorough as what ones the government has on me. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, I'll just But at that. least it's somebody that's really smart and non-creepy. Yeah, that's true. And the the uh, 
the NSA and stuff, the stuff they're doing, it's it's just getting like eye of Sauron creepy. I don't know. Was it you that tagged me in that fucking TSA thing? Maybe. About the the scanners not functioning correctly? I'm like, well, fucking duh. <laughs> how how many years have I been trying to tell them that their scanners are broken? And they get pissed off at me every time I try to tell them that their junk scanner is not working. Hey, your big cartoon scanner over there, it doesn't work half as well as the one in Total Recall. You might want to get something better. <laughs> you might have a problem. I have built in electronics and it didn't show up on this scan. <laughs> Excuse me, are you refusing this pat down? No, I'm not refusing the pat down at all. You're more than welcome to fill me up, but I'm just telling you. <laughs> you're more than welcome to fill me up, but you're not going to enjoy it. The parts of this thing that are lit up are not the places that should be. <laughs> what do you mean by that? I can't remember which comedian it is, but there's there's one of them that says he he deliberately goes creepy on them. I think oh, a yeah, lot of please people search do. me. You know, <laughs> I think a lot of them do. I, yeah. I think a lot of people do. That's like a really subtle way of protesting. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, Okay, so people of North Dakota can now rejoice. Do you know why? Uh, do we? Why? <laughs> because those raging riots are going to be suppressed. Do you know well, how? how? The fucking fires! Why don't they put that shit out? Oh, that that takes too much trouble. In a political loop-the-loop, a bill in North Dakota originally intended to limit the power of police drones actually permits unmanned aerial vehicles to use rubber bullets, pepper spray, tear gas, sound cannons, and tasers. An investigative report published via the Daily Beast by Justin Glau states that the draft of HB 1328 first banned all weapons on law enforcement drones, but then Bruce Bucket of the police lobby group North Dakota's Peace Officers Association was allowed to amend the bill, which was then signed into law in April to allow drones to carry less than lethal munitions, I'm sorry, weapons. (laughs) One might suggest there is something insidious about putting weapons in the hands of easily replaceable robots. Police officers know that if they make a mistake, they might die. Drones, by contrast, do not. Where is the built-in check on their deployment? The author of the bill is worried. The bill originally drafted by Representative Rick Becker puts military technology into the hands of civilian law enforcement, a concern that Becker himself voiced back in March, reports Glau. This is one I'm not in full agreement with. I wish it was any I wish it was any weapon, Becker said at a March hearing. In my opinion, there should be a nice red line. Drones should not be weaponized, period. Agreed. But let's put the tactical questions to one side for a moment and ask the obvious question, which is Why do government officials in North Dakota need anti-rioting drones in the first place? Rubber bullets, pepper spray, tear gas, sound cannons are all tools for fighting back against violent, unruly, implacable crowds. When was the last time North Dakota hosted anything of that sort? Do they have enough people in one place to actually have a riot? You know what? I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't even do you know. Think that, do you think that maybe it was... Do you think maybe they got carbon monoxide poisoning from the smoke from the fires when they did this? And that's 
Why? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but I really have, um, I take real issue with this one. I'm claiming the fires for everything, in case you haven't noticed. Okay, well, FDA, it's all your fault. So, so I have a question. Does this mean in North Dakota there are now uh, militia people, shall we say, who are, are claiming boffers guns for home defense? <laughs> I have no idea. But I do know that I saw a couple of weeks ago on uh, MOC, they actually have drone bullets. Yeah. There's a manufacturer that makes bullets just to shoot down drones. I'm like, okay. Well, I mean, that's clever marketing. But I can so, see that that's that's where this is heading. You're going to have some of the crazier uh, gun enthusiasts will be trying to claim uh, anti-aircraft weapons for home defense. Well, got to protect you know, me against the drones. <laughs> well, I don't think that the cops should be able to deploy sound cannons. Uh, no. on people through the air. Oh, the I, funny one don't. in the UK was Boris in London. Did, you must know about that one. The water cannons. <laughs> he popped two riot vehicles that had water cannons on them for the London police. Mm-hmm. Only to be told, we can't deploy them. They're against the law in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> ah, mayors. Aren't they just so smart? Well, no, not really. Um, in fact, I think New York's least favorite mayor wants to become mayor of London. I remember reading that last year. Uh, he's, he's, he's not the right type of crazy. You've actually got oh. to have a decent personality to be able to be mayor of London. <laughs> okay, well, you can have Trump uh, and Kanye. Oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. we'll she... take back that asshole that used to run the news program over there. <laughs> <laughs> but you no, Trump, Trump wouldn't about. survive either. Uh, yeah, that's he okay. Doesn't understand as long as we don't irony, kill him, it's fine. So, yeah. I really don't think that there's a country out there that we could pay to take Kanye West. Because, <laughs> I mean, unless YouTube doesn't exist in that country, they're going to say, <laughs> no, because that motherfucker is just totally... I don't know, I think I think Canada might take them, using as, use them as uh, bear bait or something. Uh, <laughs> Canada absolutely would not take him. I know Canadians apologize for everything, but holy <laughs> shit, can you imagine? Well, you just no. need to guilt trip them about Bieber, and, and they'll take them no problem. See, yeah. I, don't, I don't, I don't think there's enough guilt trips about Bieber. I'm just saying. <laughs> this one was kind of funny. Uh, man jailed for crystal. Or, I'm sorry, suspected crystal meth possession released after police confirmed it was just salt. No, this is absolutely funny, Jan. It's not oh. sort of. Oh, I know. Well, it's, it's sort of funny, but it's sort of sad. Saturday, August 29th, 2015. A man was imprisoned for four months for possession of methamphetamine has been released after it was determined that the suspected crystal meth was actually salt. The man from Maidenborough, Queensland, in Australia, was arrested after the substance was found in his car. He was then detained for four months while police carried out forensic tests. The man's lawyer, Travis George, said the length of time was likely due to his client's previous criminal convictions. Charges were dropped against the man after the return test results confirmed that the substance was indeed Epsom salt. 
The blunder has prompted further criticism of Queenland Health's Forensic and Scientific Services, who had previously faced condemnation after alleged delays in returning forensic tests. A Marlboro magistrate, John Smith, said, For the past 14 years, nothing has been done about delays. Once again, the government needs to have a look at what they're doing in relation to this. So, yeah. Four (laughs) months. In the case of crystals like that, first test, even the police could do this one. (laughs) One drop of water on it. (laughs) Because things like Epsom salts and most materials that look like methamphetamine start frothing when you put a drop of water on them <laughs> which my amphetamine won't <laughs> i just i've got to tell you i i'm just floored four months in jail yeah that's almost well, as bad as as private yeah uh, i well, mean it is, it, is, it is australia you know it's that wonderful land of liberty yeah <laughs> health and safety regulations the small inconvenience on your body so you can't do anything without the government's permission yeah then you know you have political correctness which is the same imposition on your mind so you can't say anything for fear of offending anybody well they do have a few news anchors who have said some hilarious damn things (laughs) yeah well that's the, the one with the the i think you covered it the the twins one was white one was black and the news anchor on live tv sort of good on the blonde white one you know it's like... <laughs> yeah no they they do yeah they do say some funny things on the news there but it, um... it is uh, <clears throat> more sensible um australians will admit they are one of the most racist countries on the planet um yeah, well, but, but a, it's casual racism. Most of them don't believe racism. it. It's just oh the stuff God. that comes out their mouth is unbelievable. It's casual racism. Yep. Okay. Well, yeah. I so, mean, they're not actually deeply racist. It's just the way they speak is just insane anywhere else in the world. <laughs> unless you're Donald Trump. <laughs> nah, he's he's. Even he's probably not extreme enough compared to some of the Australians. <laughs> Worryingly. Um, and not that, I'm not defending Donald Trump, okay? Because the man says a lot of really stupid shit. He does. He really does. But if we're really being honest, I think the reason that so many people are just absolutely offended by what he says is because... Seventy percent of these people that are so offended—that's mm-hmm. the way they talk in private. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that is what bothers me the most. Is See, that's what I mean? That's why Australia is weird because there it's normal. <laughs> that's just the way the people speak. Well, <laughs> I mean, really I think strange. political correctness is a real problem. I, yeah. I think it's almost actually disease-like in the I, way its tentacles spread. Well, in I the UK, they changed the name of the... correct, blah, 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 blah. I think that's all a bunch of horse shit. If I think you're an asshole, I should be able to look at you and say, you know what, I think you're an asshole. Yeah, but I think people are... But I think most people think individual people are assholes. They don't pick a whole group of people to do that to, generally speaking. And if you do, maybe you shouldn't be saying it in front of a lot of people. But, you know, I don't know. 
I'll say that the funniest political correctness in the UK was when they stopped calling it the police force and started calling it the police service. Because force suggested it was too, you know, forward and brazen. Oh, okay, so if they really told the truth and called it the police state, then that would be a real problem too? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we're not actually that's... a we're not actually a political country, so we can't call ourselves a state. See, that's the political <laughs> correct thing. You have politics; they're just ruled from up on high, somewhere far away, where no one's really accountable for it. And there's just this maze, and it's kind of like the same here. Yeah. There's just this maze of people that put on a show for you to write letters to, and then they're like, "Oh crap, we're really going to lose our jobs over this shit," mm-hmm. and it wasn't us. Which is pretty kind of indicative of how politics goes everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, well, except Russia, but <laughs> there's severe problems with our system. <clears throat> well, uh, yeah, Russia is not ideal at that way. Well, they call it a democracy these days. <laughs> well, they call America a democracy too. Hmm. It's, it ain't. It's nothing like a democracy. And it's nothing like what our constitutional documents said that we're supposed to be. So, I mean, that leads to the question of what are you really? Yeah. You know, I I think think we're actually globally approaching a a phase of something called inverted totalitarianism. Where the corporations are pretty much the totalitarians in charge. More so than the political climate or or the politicians or, or any of that well any any role player as i think i've said to you before uh, john any person into role-playing games uh, can draw quite close uh, connections between the way politics in the world's going and the, the old game shadow run <laughs> <laughs> where yeah the world's run by mega corporations well i mean it kind of is When you look at it, it kind of is. I mean, you know, and this is going to be the only time you're going to hear me say something positive about Ross Perot. But um, if you want to understand where my country, and and probably yours too, looks this way, go to YouTube and type in slow sucking sound south. And watch the video that pops up where they're talking about the NAFTA treaty. And what happens to the jobs. And they talk about when things start to equal out. When all these jobs that they've sent all these other places from your country and my country, when do they start to come back? Well, when these third world countries start paying their people $6 an hour and we start paying our people $6 an hour. I don't know. It doesn't seem right to me. But that's how all these treaties and things work. And like you said, Shadowrun is very much like that. Yes. It's all corporations and criminal gangs. Mm. And the government's hiding somewhere in the background. Yeah. yeah, they're there. They're there for you to point your finger at, but you can't really do anything about it. Yeah. Okay, so since we got completely off target, <laughs> completely off topic, sorry, I had an new shiny show. Um... Yeah, I think I'll save the IMS eye catchers for later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about X key score. 
we all kind of know about X key score and the people that don't know about X key score, you'd be behooved to go to YouTube and type in John Oliver, Edward Snowden, NSA, and just watch the 20 minute video there. We'll explain exactly what X key score is. A dubious deal with the NSA. Internal documents show that Germany's domestic intelligence agency, the BFV, received the coverted software program XKeyScore from the NSA and promised data from Germany in return. The agents from the Federal Office for the Protection of the Constitution, BFV, Germany's domestic intelligence agency. Don't you just love how all governments fucking do that? They just name something that's completely opposite from what they actually do. Um, we're deeply impressed. They wanted to be able to do that too. On October 6, 2011, employees of the U.S. intelligence agency NSA were in the Bavarian town of Bad Abling to demonstrate all that spy software XKeyScore could do. To make the demonstration as valid as possible, the Americans fed data into their program that the BFV had itself collected during a warranted eavesdropping or operation. <clears throat> An internal memo shows how enthusiastic the German intelligence agents were analyzing data with the help of software. The memo reads in an awkward officialese resulted in a, quote, high recognition of applications used, Internet applications and protocols. And in the data, XKeyScore was able to recognize, for example, Hotmail, Yahoo or Facebook. It was also able to identify usernames and passwords. In other words, it was highly effective was far beyond the capabilities of the BFV's own system. In response, then BFV President Heinz Fromm made an official request five months later to his American counterpart, NSA head Keith Alexander, that prick, for the software to be made available to the German intelligence agency. It would, he wrote, superbly complement the current capabilities for monitoring and analyzing Internet traffic. But fully a year and a half would pass before a test version of the XKeyScore could begin operating at the BFB facility in Treptow neighborhood of Berlin. Oh, God, Berlin. It took that long for the two agencies to negotiate an agreement that regulated the transfer of the software in detail and which defined the rights and obligations of each side. The April 2013 document called Terms of Reference, which Zeet Online and Desert have been able to review, is more than enlightening. It shows for the first time what Germany's domestic intelligence agency promised their American counterparts in exchange for use of the coveted software program. The BFE will, to the maximum extent possible, share all relevant data to NSA's mission, the paper reads. Such was the arrangement, data in exchange for software. It was a good deal for the BFV. Being given the software was a proof of trust, one BFV agent exalted. Another called XKeyScore a cool system. Politically and legally, however, the accord is extremely delicate. Nobody outside of the BFV oversees what data is sent to the NSA in accordance with the terms of reference, a situation that remains unchanged today. Neither Germany's Data Protection Commissioner nor the Parliamentary Control Panel, which is responsible for oversight of the BFV, has been informed about the deal. Once again, I have to learn from press of a new BFV NSA contract and of the impermissible transfer of data to the U.S. Secret Service, complains Green Party parliamentarian Hans Christian Schobel, who is a member of the Parliamentary Control Panel. The Federal Office for the Protection of the Constitution, for its part, insists that it adhered strictly to the law. Hmm. 
The data in question is regularly part of the approved surveillance measures carried out by the BFB. In contrast, for example, to, wow, the BND, I'm not even going to try reading that, Germany's Foreign Intelligence Agency, the BFV, does not use a dragnet to collect huge volumes of data from the Internet. Rather, it's only allowed to monitor individual suspects in Germany, and only after a special parliamentary commission has granted approval. Because such operations necessarily imply the curtailing of rights guaranteed by Article 10 of Germany's constitution, they are often referred to as G10 measures. Targeted surveillance measures are primarily intended to turn up the content of specific conversations in the form of emails, telephones, exchanges, or faxes. But along the way, essentially as a side effect, the BFE also collects mass quantities of so-called metadata. Whether the collection of this data is consistent with the restrictions outlined in Germany's surveillance laws is a question that divides legal experts. Well-respected constitutional lawyers are of the opinion that the intelligence agencies are not allowed to analyze metadata as they see fit. The agencies themselves, naturally, have a different view. It is clear, after all, the metadata also enables interesting conclusions to be drawn about the behavior of those under surveillance and their contracts. contacts. Just as in the analog world, the sender and recipient on an envelope can also be revealing, even if the letter inside isn't read. Those who know such data can identify communication networks and establish movement and behavioral profiles of individuals. Prior to 2013, Germany's domestic intelligence agency was only able to analyze metadata by hand, and it was rarely done as a result. But that changed once the agency received X-Keyscore. The version of the software obtained by BFV is unable to collect data on the Internet itself, but it is able to rapidly analyze huge quantities of metadata that the agency has already automatically collected. That is why X-Keyscore is beneficial to the BFV, and thanks to the deal, that benefit is one that extends to the NSA. In practice, it assumedly works as follows. When an Islamist who is under terror surveillance by the BFV regularly receives calls from Afghanistan, for example, then the telephone number is likely exactly the kind of information that is forwarded on to the NSA. That alone is not necessarily cause for concern. After all, combating terrorism is the goal of intelligence agency cooperation. But nobody outside of the BFV knows whose data and how much of it is being shared with the NSA. Nobody can control the practices of the data exchange, and that is completely unclear where political responsibility lies. In 2013 alone, the BFB began 58 new G10 measures and continued 46 others from the previous year. It was targeted. What information was passed on to the NSI? Was information pertaining German citizens also shared? When confronted with such question, the BFV merely responds, the BFV is unable to publicly comment on the particulars of the cooperation or on the numbers of the data collection operations. How important X-Key scores become for the BFV can also be seen elsewhere. Not long ago, the website Netspolitik.org published classified budget plans for 2013, which included the information that the BFV intended to create 75 new positions for mass data analysts of Internet content. 75 new positions is a significant amount for any government agency. A new division called 3C was to uncover movement profiles and contact networks and process raw data collected during G10 operations. The name X-Keyscore does not appear in any documents published by netspolitik.org, but it is reasonable to suspect that the new division was established to deploy the new software. I could go on and on, but 
this just goes on and on. And of course, it's from the intercept and stuff from the intercept is horribly detailed. Yeah. I, and not yeah, horribly just, detailed. Is... I, I find you're going to get a lot more truth from them and they really break it down. Go ahead. Well, yeah, the, yeah this is causing a lot of stink in Germany. <laughs> Unsurprisingly. It should. Yeah. It should. Yeah, they have lots of politicians who really think this is going too far. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. <laughs> we we don't we have a couple, but we don't have many. So, well, as I say, Germany especially, um, personal privacy is a big deal. Mm-hmm. So when stuff like this starts getting leaked out, yeah, people get very upset. Um, because obviously, this, it's one of the countries that has lived under a totalitarian state quite recently. Uh, it mm-hmm. didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. Especially the Eastern Germans, yeah, because they had yeah. Nazis followed by communists. They they they've had not a nice time, and they don't want any of that shit coming back. Jan, you don't have kids, so very you don't either, right? No. Okay, so neither one of you probably understand this. But you know that you're getting fucking old when the shit that was a current event when you were going to school is now in your children's history books. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, things like the Berlin Wall coming down. Things like the end <laughs> of the Cold War. Things like... Um, Falklands War is a big one where I am, funnily enough. <laughs> Pluto, Pluto being a planet. And then not being a planet and then being a planet again? Yeah. I, I mean, when <laughs> Bernie, Bernie is studying this stuff, and of course, to me, um, all the military actions in the Middle East are rather current. They're, they are. They've never stopped, so how could they be anything but current? And when the Twin Towers attack made it into my son's history book, I was like, holy fuck. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it is history, but I mean, all of that stuff is very relevant to all the stuff we're talking about right now. Yeah. All those endless wars, all the terrorist attacks, all that stuff led to where we are right now. So it's all really important stuff. It's just hard to look at that in the context of being history enough that it's in history books for high school kids. And I can't imagine that the content is as close to correct as <laughs> some of the stuff we know now. So um just saying. How is Bernie like in public school, Jeannie? He says it's okay. He says it's okay. Fantastic. Well, he's kind of, you know, I mean, he is, he's not used to it. Um, and, you know, where he's used to, if he wanted to sit down and get right done with his stuff, he could. Um, yeah, not so much. It's it's all day, every day now. Dude, this is what you want. You know, you ask for it, you got it. I don't think it's... Um, what he remembered it to be 
<laughs> I'm I'm sure he liked being around other kids his age though. Yes. You know, I'm sure well, he missed his girlfriends that. there too. Yes. That that doesn't I don't want to say nothing good can come of that, but you know, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> it uh She's a really nice girl and she's really smart and she gets really good grades and I really hope it rubs off on him. <laughs> good. I hope it rubs off on him too. Um, it's just that I think, I think the public school environment just makes it harder for the male brain to learn. You know what I mean? The way public schools actually set up is perfect for female brains to learn. And I know that sounds fucked up, but reading and taking notes and repetition, that's how the female brain learns stuff just because of where we are in our brains. Most of us. Um, but I don't think it's so perfect for the male brain, at least public schools that I know of. I'm sure that's changed. That's why. You know, you say that and it makes perfect sense to me now. I have a male brain. That was has always been my issue. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I'm not I hate I'm it. not I'm not in my right mind either, but I loved school. Although I, I did go to a different kind of high school and, and that was uh that was totally worth it for me. You know. I went to a high school for gifted and talented kids. So um, if you think the TV show fame, you're completely wrong. But it was a very different learning environment, a lot less structured. And uh, that worked a whole lot better for me than anything else. So, yeah. I, I now have images of John being in the X-Men for some reason. <laughs> You have pictures of me being in the X-Men. Oh, school, oh, good. school for gifted children. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. I, that just doesn't seem like it'd be fun. Because, you know, somehow, with my luck, I'd just have this horrible power that killed people. Or I would be a null. Do you know what I mean? Be like the one where everybody else had powers. And then I just, like, walked in the room and they didn't work. That would suck. <laughs> your power is to suck away everybody else's power that would just really be bad um okay stingrays covered North Dakota I'm gonna do stingrays or the NSA bulk collection does anybody have a favorite no Not one has really. a favorite no sure, sure. the <laughs> options given You didn't like any of those options? Why not? <laughs> Come on, they're awesome. Yeah. Says okay. you. <laughs> okay. Um, Stingray? Yeah, have you got the music queued up? Stand by for action. About to launch Stingray. Anything can happen in the next half hour. 
And this one is kind of different because usually we wind up just talking about how IMS eye catchers work or how they're a violation of your Fourth Amendment rights, which I think they are. Or, or talking about kids' TV shows, but, you know. Well, that was a pretty good TV show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Those little puppets on their submarine. Yeah, that was kind of cool. Okay. Baltimore defense lawyers to review nearly 2,000 cases involving stingrays. This week, USA Today, not usually the hotbed of investigative journalism, but this time they actually did something worth noticing. Uh, this week, USA Today's investigative team shined a light on the Baltimore Police Department and their use of stingrays. The paper found cops deployed the cell phone trackers in crimes as minor as harassing phone calls, and the authorities would often conceal the results of that surveillance from suspects and lawyers, despite the fact that Maryland law generally requires that electronic surveillance be disclosed in court. Evidently, the story found the right eyeballs. USA Today now reports that defense lawyers in Baltimore have pledged to examine nearly 2,000 cases involving police using stingrays. The lawyers plan to use their findings to approach judges and for a large number of criminal convictions to be overturned. This is a crisis, and to me it needs to be addressed very quickly, Baltimore Deputy Public Defender Natalie Finjar told USA Today. No stone is going to be left unturned at this point. In general, stingrays, IMSI catchers, or cell site simulators, can be used to determine location by spoofing a cell tower, but they can also intercept calls and text messages. Once deployed, the devices snatch data from a target phone as well as information from other phones within the vicinity. For years, federal and local law enforcement nationwide have tried to keep their existence a secret while simultaneously upgrading their capabilities. But over the last year, as the devices have become more scrutinized, more information about the authorities' little surveillance secret has been revealed. Beyond Baltimore, at times, cops have gone as far as to falsely claim the existence of a confidential informant, while in fact deploying this particularly sweeping and invasive surveillance tool. As such scenarios continue to become public, the Department of Justice announced in May 2015 that it would be reviewing its Stingray policy just four months after claiming it did not need a warrant to use the device in public. Private residents are considered different, as that is a location where a person has a reasonable expectation of privacy. According to a surveillance log published earlier by USA Today, there were more than 1,900 cases in Baltimore where police indicated stingray use, and those cases included at least 200 instances where public defender clients were convicted. Benjara told USA Today that she was not sure how many criminal cases would ultimately be reopened, but she expects to challenge large numbers in the end. So, that was kind of good. Yeah, but the comment does have to come back to, how the hell did USA Today end up with that story? I have no idea. They must have had an off day, or one of their journalists must have stumbled onto something. Ran- random dumb luck. I suppose oh. eventually they would eventually come out with a actual <laughs> real news story. But Yeah, I mean, yeah. they don't normally do that, which is really surprising. So it was like the one in a million story thing. Yeah. Which, you know, probably now broken clock is right twice they a do day. Another one. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, this was USA Today's Day. And I, I think it's kind of nice that somebody's actually going to look at these cases again. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't know if anything will come of it, but probably it's not. definitely, well, probably not, but it's definitely a conversation we need to be having. I mean, if you're an American, you have a certain guarantee that your personal effects and papers can't be searched without a warrant. And as far as I'm concerned, the stuff on your phone is your digital personal effects, books and papers, and they can't just be searched just by somebody randomly looking. Yeah. It, that takes that little bit of digital privacy completely away. And that's a real problem. And there aren't a lot of people stepping up to the plate to try and do something about it. So when someone does good for them and Hey, I'm actually proud of USA today. I don't know what the hell happened there, but good God. <laughs> Oh, I have to. I have to say at this point, I, I I still don't know if my app for detecting IMS, IMSI catchers works because I I live somewhere that's probably not busy enough to actually have one, and the times where I do go to bigger, you know, to cities, I keep forgetting to turn it on. So. Oh, you know that's really sad. I've got to say that's really sad. Um, because I thought they were just a completely American phenomenon. You know what I mean? Yeah. You weren't really hearing about them being deployed elsewhere, and then it was just a couple months ago. Was it Der Spiegel? Yeah. I think talked about them and and had a bunch of documents, and that that made it really interesting because you you think you're alone in all this stuff, and you're not. All of this well, digital I mean, privacy stuff. It's not talked a lot about in the UK, but the UK police have stingrays. Of course. It has I'm been mentioned not... in the last few months, yeah. but the Metropolitan Police London's such a hive of criminal activity, <laughs> shall we say, they'd be insane not to have them. Right, but I mean, you know, we really have to have the talk, though, because yeah. some of that stuff has got to still remain private, you yes. know? Well, what... I think I've said before, the British police are hilarious with criminals' mobile phones. They're not allowed to actively look around on the phone. But what they do do is they take it off a subject but leave it turned on. And then they can see all the incoming phone numbers when the phone gets dialed. <laughs> nice. That's that's the closest the British police tend to get to, to uh, looking through your phone. They just leave it turned on and see who calls you. <laughs> Which, of course, in the no. case of drug dealers, yeah, it means they're going to catch quite a few... Numbers to look up later. Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's still, it's still nice to know it's not just us. I mean, yeah. it's everywhere. It's oh, not yeah. just your country. It's not just mine. This is a global phenomenon. It, this is, and it's a conversation people really need to be having with their governments, but nobody's doing it yet. Because I don't know that either I don't know that people are outraged because in essence there's no privacy when your fridge can tell the world your freaking Google Mail password what sort of privacy have you got? Yeah. Really? I don't know. But it's definitely something we need to think about. Yeah, because I mean if, if the NSA and the police aren't nicking all your data Hackers are going to be releasing your details. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really screwed up about the whole Ashley Madison deal. Yeah. 
when they really looked at it, they think 99% of the women's accounts on there were fake. Yeah. So it was just basically a sausage fest. Mm-hmm. So, and yet it's yeah. unfortunate that there were a few people in certain countries where they're on Ash- using Ashley Madison because they were homosexual. Uh, yeah. And the lease means their governments are now probably going to execute them. I mean, that, that is... That is the unfortunate side effect. Um, in this day and age, the fact that they still kill people, they still kill you over who you love. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Well, as I say, the the most hilarious one was Moscow, which took <laughs> down the sculpture of an iPhone... <laughs> but it's not a homophobic country. Uh, <laughs> yeah. People are getting attacked in the streets for having Apple products. No, they're not homophobic. No, no. <laughs> a lot, of, but a lot of that stuff trickles down from the top. I think. Mm-hmm. You know, when you give people a target, whether it's based on race or people's political habits, or who they love, and let people go after them, they, like, go after them with glee. Especially when the government paints a target on your back. Yeah. Because then you've got government-sanctioned hate. And you can be the biggest xenophobe in the world to these people. If that's how you are in real life, it must be a joyous thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, (laughs) the UK... We have the Daily Mail. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> which for for decades has been the the international standard for inciting hatred. I mean, since World War One, basically onwards. I mean, I don't know. I, I I think the Daily Mail provides an interesting service. All their articles about what gives you cancer are they're delightful reading. Yeah. Showering soap, meat, butter. That's that was just some of the few in the last couple months. So um, that's that's a delightful service they provide too. Yeah, making people paranoid and chemophobic. But but mostly they just like stirring up hatred between people. So, yeah, yeah. Keeps people reading, I guess. I no, don't like it. that. I mean, it is it is the the the, the, the sh- some dictionary or. Encyclopedia should, under inciting hatred, should have the Daily Mail. The Daily logo. Mail. <laughs> yeah. That would be funny. Okay. Um, not the AP. Not the government surveillance story. Eh, maybe this one is short. Former security intern admits developing super stealthy Android spyware. A former intern at security firm FireEye. Oh, my God. Eye of Sauron. Isn't that just perfect? (laughs) God has admitted in federal court that he designed a malicious software tool that allowed hackers, attackers, I'm sorry, to take control of other Android phones so they could spy on their owners. Morgan Culbertson, 20, pleaded guilty to federal charges involving Dendroid, a software tool that provided everything needed to develop highly stealthy apps that, among other things, took pictures using the phone's camera, recorded audio and video, 
downloaded photos, and recorded calls. It should work for the NSA. According to this 2014 blog post from Android security firm Lockout, at least one app built with Dendroid found its way into the official Google Play market, in part thanks to the code that helped it evade detection by Bouncer, Google's anti-malware software screening system. Culbertson, who last month was one of 70 people arrested in an international law enforcement sting targeting the Dark Node online crime forum, said in a LinkedIn profile that he spent four months at FireEye. While there, he said he improved Android malware detection (laughs) by discovering new malicious software families and using a multitude of different tools. He was also a student at Carnegie Mellon University. According to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Culbertson on Tuesday pleaded guilty to developing and selling the malicious toolkit. Culbertson advertised the malware on Darknode for $300, and he also offered to sell the source code, presumably for a much higher price that would allow buyers to create their own version of Dendroid. He faces a maximum 10 years in prison and $250,000 in fines at sentencing, which is scheduled for December 2nd. Culbertson said he had spent more than a year designing Dendroid, a timeline that means he worked on the remote access toolkit shortly after his four months tenure at FireEye. FireEye told Forbes that Culbertson has been suspended from any future work at the company. But Apple are very interested in his work. <laughs> I bet they are. And see it, you know, he he might do some jail time and he's going to come out and he's going to end up with a nice private contracting job somewhere. Of course he is. I mean, what happens to really good hackers? Well, I mean, what do you think happens to these kids? They don't all just spend their lives in prison. Just get a different name, go somewhere else and do what they've always done. They just do it with government sanction. Yeah. Or as I say, he'll end up working for Apple. For Apple. (laughs) Because Apple right. are always interested in new ways of getting Screwing that Android. <laughs> and, yeah, the hatred of Android. Yeah, yeah. yeah. New ways to because, hate, yeah, I guess. Because, yeah, you've got to remember. Yeah, they both run on Linux, basically. Yeah. So what, what can be used to attack Android can be altered and used to attack Apple products. So, yeah. Yeah, but most people don't think like that. I mean, yeah. when I say that, most most normal people that don't know stuff about internet security or computers, malware hacking, or they aren't really interested in the stuff. They don't know that. No. So. That's, oh, and that, that's why Apple hate Android so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's because Apple had spent all this money developing their own version of Linux for phones, and then Google brought it out and gave it away free. <laughs> you know, for you know. The Android system, yeah, which there's, isn't there's as stable as the that. Apple one, but it's they're both based off the same code, basically. Yeah. Okay, so I said I would talk about Samsung's smart fridge and your Gmail password, just because things you need to know. <laughs> the sometimes blisteringly inane hype surrounding the Internet of Things appears to be on a collision course with the sophomore security standards being employed in the field. As we've seen time and time again, companies were so bedazzled by the idea of connecting everything and anything to the internet, your hat, your pants, your toilet, they left device and network security as an afterthought. 
if they could be bothered to think about it at all. The result has been smart TVs that share your personal conversations, vehicles that can be easily used to kill you, and a home full of devices leaking your daily habits. The latest example comes again via Samsung, whose smart refrigerators aren't so smart. While Samsung keeps fucking up everything, though. Not as much as Barbie. Barbie is pretty bad, too. Hey, I had to buy one of them this weekend. Oh, Jesus. The smart ones? The ones that talk? Oh, no. No. Good. Barbie in general, but it was under protest. Well, yeah. I I actually like the Barbie repaints. I think those are much cooler. No, I had to buy a doctor vet Barbie for my granddaughter. for her. That's what she wanted for her birthday. Mm. And she's five. So grandma just bought damn thing. Well, at least she wants one that has a career. <laughs> you know not sitting on the side of the road hooking barbie um standing on a street corner dressed like a hooker barbie so i mean at least she picked one that wants to do something with her life so that's that's good okay so we were talking about how samsung fucks everything up like that's the reason you won't let your son get a smart tv yes okay whose smart refrigerators aren't so smart while Samsung shiny new refrigerators connect to the internet, can display your Google Calendar, and implement SSL, hackers, during a challenge at the recent DEF CON, found that refrigerators failed to validate those SSL certificates. That opens the door to all kinds of man-in-the-middle attacks, potentially allowing your neighbor to steal your Gmail login information while sitting on his couch next door. The internet-connected fridge is designed to display Gmail calendar information on its display, explained Ken Monroe, a security researcher at Pantest Partners. It appears to work the same way that any device running a Gmail calendar does. A logged-in user slash owner of the calendar makes updates, and those changes are then seen on any device a user can view the calendar on. While the SSL is in place, the fridge fails fails to validate the certificate. Hence, hackers who manage to access the network that the fridge is on perhaps through a de-authentication and fake Wi-Fi access point attack, can man in the middle of the fridge calendar client and steal Google login credentials from their neighbors, for example. On the plus side, this vulnerability was found after Samsung invited hackers to try and find vulnerabilities in the system, showing some proactive thinking. On the flip side, this is the same company whose smart TVs were found to be happily sending living room conversation snippets unencrypted over the internet, so it's not always clear that Samsung listens to feedback or how many bugs and vulnerabilities go unnoticed. Regardless, the researcher's blog post has a little more detail, noting they may have also found some vulnerabilities in the app's encrypted communication stream with the refrigerator. The endless IoT security issues may have the opposite effect of that intended, actively marketing the need for many devices to be dumber. And those dumb devices are getting harder to find, Many of the latest and greatest 4K television sets, for example, simply can't be purchased without intelligent internals that integrate functionality the user may not want. So while Wired Magazine's endless 1990s obsession with intelligent refrigerators may have finally come to fruition, there may be an unwitting pitchman for how sometimes it's better for things simply to remain utterly analog and beautifully simply stupid. Well, could... Who the fuck needs their calendar on her? Oh, my God. <laughs> no one I know needs their calendar on their fridge. You need a smart refrigerator. You don't. 
You know, it's, it's just more shit to break that the Maytag man and the Sears man can charge you out the ass for coming to fix. <laughs> and then they look at you and they say, oh, you know what? Two and a half hours after I got here, it was a $1.79 part that's not under warranty. So the service call is going to end up costing you the low, low price of $800. <laughs> well, Here's... come on. If you buy a top-of-the-range Dyson vacuum cleaner... Hey, I it, have it, one of them. It, Be careful. It, it phones up. Dyson to tell, yeah, I'm I'm broken. Come and fix me and stuff like that. Oh yeah, no, my my vacuum cleaner doesn't call Dyson. <laughs> <laughs> but but I do like my Dyson vacuum cleaner. Yeah. My Dyson fridge was calling. My my Dyson vacuum was calling the factory. It wanted to go home. But the, yes, I was going to say with the smart <laughs> fridge Johnny thing, my, my temptation would be to you know hack into somebody's um, G calc and and start putting lots of fridge-related appointments on the calendar. <laughs> Actually, that's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that's a funny idea. I don't know. I, uh... Might, might, you know, clean me. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> clean out vegetable drawer. Yeah. There's non-vegetable product in here. Damn, my these eggs need to go now. Send me an email. Do you remember who I am? I miss. <laughs> I miss you too. But the Roomba does a good job all by itself. You know, I used to really like Roombas, but I think they're getting into that Internet of Things thing. I just, I don't, I don't want it. I don't need it. I don't wake want up my one morning. Your vacuum cleaner is looking at IP you. Address. I don't. I don't. I don't need that. Oh, Jam with my. You have to understand. Roomba is like the next best thing since sliced bread. If you're me with shit hands, um, because my little Roomba turns itself on once a day and runs around the house and does its thing, and then it even goes and parks its ass back on its own charger again. Oh, and and and, there's a whole industry sprung up, producing like little animal covers for Roombas. You can get Are like you little dog me? dog covers and stuff. So you have this little dog running around your pet. You do realize that my dog is terrified of my Roomba, right? Yeah. Your big oh, yeah. ass dog that's as big as your son is terrified of the little ass Roomba. Yes, I have a 130 pound dog that runs like a little sissy bitch from the little itty bitty bag. Get a little animal cover for it. See how the dog reacts. Put a chicken cover on it. Ruger likes chickens, doesn't Oh, yeah, he loves the chickens, so, yeah, maybe. I am not buying a, va- a cover for my fucking... <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd have known about that already. No. no All I, I know, know about my Roomba is it fucking works. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying I think everything's getting connected to everything. I, I don't necessarily think it needs to be. That's like those assholes who got the chips that worked for that company. I don't have to pay for my lunch. I just wave my hand as I walk through the cafeteria. I don't have to open doors now. I just wave my hand as I walk in the building and the doors automatically open for me. Is it really that much more effort to pay for something? I've dropped one of the photos in chat. I couldn't resist. Oh my God, look at that thing. (laughs) 
There's a whole selection of covers. Scary li- no, no, no. Ruger would be peeing himself if I did that. <laughs> he, he'd be so afraid of that thing. He'd pee the on big, my- bad dog would be scared of that. Oh, I mean, that's, that's yeah, just... Ruger's afraid of everything. That's just one of them. There are more, you know, sedate. <laughs> you have to understand that my mother's little 14-year-old Jack Russell, short-legged, short-hair, um, hands him his ass all the time. <laughs> She well, beats him up. He wants to play, and she says, "Fuck you." The, well, little dogs are they're fucking crazy. They're also kind of mean. And with a name like Priscilla, she should be really nice, and she's not. Oh, you never saw Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm. Why am I not surprised? You hadn't seen Fight Club. I mean, what the hell movie? And was I it have, about? I have now watched Fight Club three times, and it, and I'm telling you, Jan, it still makes my fucking brain melt. <laughs> Every time I see it, it gets better and better. I love Fight Club. Um. So yes. So I have seen Fight Club. Um. The other thing that I have seen, not that any of the listeners in the show will actually give a shit, is The Princess Bride. BSP. Oh, yeah. BSP always makes this reference and i'm like why do you always say that and he said from the princess bride genie and i'm like the what and bsp about had a stroke when i had never seen the princess bride um so yes i watched fight club i've watched the princess bride and i have to tell you the princess bride is really funny and it didn't help my brain yeah well Well, the princess bride is an all-time classic yeah. You probably wouldn't like my other recommendation for like really good films. Ender's Game. <laughs> Ender's Game was great, and the yeah. books were fucking phenomenal. That's nope. what I did last week on my I'm taking a social media break time. That's what I did. I sat and I read all four of the Ender Quintet books, and each one was just as good as the first. And the oh, first just blew uh, my fucking mind. Not, not film, but TV related. Uh, right. If you haven't seen the Lucifer pilot, I haven't. Not yet. Oh, go look for that. <laughs> it, it is. In, it, I hope it gets a full run because yes, it's very entertaining. Oh yeah, um, we usually talk about Mr. Robot, or I do on here, and yeah, last week's uh, not a race crime shooting kind of interrupted my ability to watch the season finale because USA was like, oh, we can't show that now. Yeah. Somebody gets shot in this. You fucking pussies. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm mad. I really wanted to see that. So it should be on this week, so I'm really looking forward to that. That's that's my show. In the meantime, go and look for Lucifer. The, you know, okay. the, pilot, the pilot is uh, all over the place at the moment. I watched it I, uh, this morning, actually. I can't wait for the Man in the High Castle to get picked up. I'm I kind of hoping that when uh, Amazon does the streaming of this, they actually do what they what um, the other companies that have streamed shows do and just put it all out at once so you can just gorge on it for about a day and a half. Yeah. That would be good. You know, I think it's hysterically funny that the lady that says she never watches TV has talked about TV for the last five minutes. I just would like it noted. <laughs> I don't I even own a TV. movies and I talked about, well, you've seen Mr. Robot, haven't you, Jeannie? Nope. Really? I'm going to have to go look it up now. <laughs> it's, it's good. 
Oh, I, I had to start watching TV. A lot of the stuff I was reading was just making me want to um, slam my head into a wall. I feel a lot better now. Um, I do watch I, a little TV. Uh, I, I read a lot more. So I, I mean, but I read more fiction than fact stuff because the fact based stuff till, is terrible. It wasn't until this weekend. Um, and Bernie's girlfriend said something about Dominion. Oh, you like, Oh my god! It's the end of summer! I missed the entire fucking season of Dominion! Because I really liked that show. So, um, I this has been the only time I was ever actually grateful that I have Dish on Demand. Um, right. Because I get to catch up on all the episodes of Dominion that I missed because I had my head up my ass and was camping all summer. I um, really liked the... I didn't like the new the new season true true criminal true crime um the hbo series do you know which one i'm talking about oh because i don't have pay channels not you very you know which one i'm talking about don't you uh i think so yes yeah i i kind of like i really liked the first season with woody harrelson that was excellent the second season was just oh it's terrible i'll watch anything on demand i just won't sit in front of a fucking idiot box and plug myself in I just I refuse to do that shit. You've seen those pictures, haven't you? <laughs> There's an artist who takes pictures of kids watching TV, yeah. and they look like they're stoned out their fucking minds. Drooling at the corner yeah, of their mouths. They are. They're drooling. Yeah. Their eyes are all glazed over. They look high. There's a I reason why I don't I really have, watch um, much TV. Adult ADHD, because I can't just sit and watch a television. I have to have something else that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I do. I uh, I did notice something that was really interesting when I got um, talking about like the Ender's Quintet. Um, when I got those books, I could have gotten them on Kindle. I mean, you cannot find those fucking books to download anywhere else. They've got the copyright locked up pretty tight on those. I mean, I, I'm sure I could have found them in a news group or something, but I'm not about to admit I would do something like that. You know, somebody's always listening. So um, I would never admit I would do something like that. So I said, well, okay, uh, let's see what the price for all four of these books are on Kindle. And I almost threw up. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I got the tour box set of the books. And it was very, very cheap. And it was very, very good. And I noticed that the experience stayed with me a lot more that I read an actual book with paper and letters than it would have had I read it in a tablet form. There actually really is a difference in how your brain processes that stuff, I think. Yeah, there, there, you have come across that weird phenomenon now where it's it can be cheaper getting old paperbacks than it is oh, yeah. buying digital have, copies. <laughs> yeah, I don't miss paper books, Jan, at all. I really don't. Um, and I guess... The whole sticking with you thing, maybe that's why I don't miss it. I have a tendency of going through three, four, sometimes six books a week. But I always have. I've Mm -hmm. always read like that. Um, Authors that I really enjoy, like Stephen King, um, I always bought those books because Mm -hmm. I tend to read them four or five times. Right. And my husband said to me one day, he's like, why in the fuck would you read the same book four or five times? 
You I get said, something oh, different I, from nope. it every time. Why in the fuck do you make me sit through Waterworld every damn time it's on the television? <laughs> I. <laughs> he's like, that's you an know, awesome movie. And I'm like, once? It is? Oh, well, God. Jeannie, you'll oh, be able to get you know what? I would rather watch The Postman, honestly, than Waterworld again. Jeannie, look at oh, the bright really side. You might Waterworld. soon be able I to get him to watch. I hate that fucking movie. Yeah. Jeannie, you might soon ha- make him, for revenge, have to sit through the Dark Tower stuff. That's oh. supposed to be getting made into a show. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Damn. So they're actually doing some interesting stuff with TV. It's not all suck fest like it used to be. Yeah, I dropped the link for the IMDB thing for Lucifer in chat. Yeah. yeah. They have Lucifer as, well, pretty much what he was in the original graphic novel. An incredibly charming, uh, well, Neil, s- slimy git, basically. Um. <laughs> Neil Gaiman has a real ability to write a character that sticks with you in it. In fact, all of them. Well, the, the casting on Lucifer is excellent. Lucifer the actor and... they have is Lucifer. Oh, Jan, I watched Ant Man. Wasn't that was one of the funnier Marvel movies I've ever seen? And it's Paul Rudd's comic timing is just impeccable. I yes. still haven't got round to it yet. It's good. I mean, it's, it's not. Yeah. It's not. Epic. I did watch. I did watch Minions the other day. Did you? I haven't seen that. It's good. I uh, I would say the one Marvel movie that really stuck with me was The Winter Soldier. You know, and Guardians of the Galaxy, of course. <laughs> Those two. I, I, and I don't know why, because in the graphic novels, they're just a bunch of potheads flying around space, basically. Including the tree. <laughs> the tree's the, the, the dealer, let's face it. <laughs> so, just thought that was kind of funny. And I think most people don't know that, because they haven't actually looked at those. But Yeah, yeah like lots comics. of people watch the films, never... You know, oh, haven't, yeah. haven't seen the comics. Uh, well, I, I think they would be really disappointed in a lot of the character changes. Yeah. And then Disney is going to ruin everything because they're coming out with a Guardians of the Galaxy TV series. Cartoon. Yeah. TV series. Why? Disney, why do you have to ruin everything I love? Can't you just let it be? <laughs> uh, and, you know, and if it wasn't for all of these movies, Jan, I would never have any clue that they were ever comic books <laughs> <gasps> oh my god no <laughs> you know some of them really are well written and it really is an art form and and the sad part is it's an art form that's dying and yeah. if it weren't for the films it's an art form that would die a really quick genie death you, you, genie you can get all the dc vertigo stuff the on what? tablet the oh, all, all the, all the comic novels. books are on tablet now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Because I know a fr- I've got a friend who has all the Neil Gaiman stuff. Oh, well, now see Both that... Both physically those... and on his mobile devices. Well, I mean, those are... Those graphic novels are different. Those are mm. actually really worth seeing because they are really works. Well, that's why I said art DC as vertical. well as being amazingly yeah. well-written. And Gaiman just really has that ability. He He... Creates entire worlds. Um, American Gods was a great book. Yes. Really, really funny. Really amazing to read. Goal of Loki. Yeah. Well, it's kind of about how we create them because we believe in them. Yes. 
And then what happens when people stop believing in a certain God? What happens to them? So that was a really great book. Interesting, yeah. thought-provoking. Well, I mean, it, and, was a, and it, was an, it was an extension of ideas he'd come up with during Sandman. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Sandman was such a great series, too. And and those, Genie, if you got them, you wouldn't feel like you were... You wouldn't feel like you were an adolescent kid tucking into a comic. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very different than that. It really it, it's, is. It's British-style comic it, yeah so it's, it's art. adult <laughs> yeah it is it's very good so gee i mean we, the uk was the first place in the world we had an 18 certificate comic <laughs> yeah, Ages, well, I, back back when i was a young student <laughs> you know what's really funny toxic comic but yeah it was called yeah, toxic I, um the guy who wrote v for vendetta the comic yeah that guy is such a fucking loon. Alan Moore. Yeah, he's a Alan miserable Moore. old He is out of bag. his fucking mind. <laughs> he lives on a secluded Scottish island where I believe he even had the phone taken out. Nice. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Back up. Right. Jan? Yes. Did Very just say a secluded Scottish island? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and that's different from anything in Scotland? Why? <laughs> oh no, we have really, yeah. really. And, and I, I have the right places. to say this, okay? Because I mean, Barry, you weren't there, but but Jan was on Kevin's show Sunday night with me, uh-huh. and you know, Dino and Kevin like to give me shit about living out in the middle of bumfuck. Um, I Lesser think bumfuck. that mentioning secluded <laughs> in in Scottish in the same <laughs> sentence is kind of an oxymoron. That is like me saying that, you know, when I said I'm going to camp and Dino said, where the fuck is camp? And I said, out in the middle of nowhere. And he said, you're already out in the middle of fucking nowhere. <laughs> well, Alan Moore, one of the best writers of modern times, I think his nearest neighbor something like 40 miles away. Yeah, he is, he is nuttier than an O. Henry bar, though. This guy is out of his mind. Great writer. Really interesting to look oh. into the history of this guy. Really interesting you stuff. The, you have read Stephen King books, Jan. I sure. I know. This. Um, did it ever prior to him getting sober? Um, did you ever wonder what the fuck is wrong with this man's head? <laughs> uh yeah. When I read Thinner, Thinner yeah. is the one that stuck with me. And you just kind of like. What what happened to this man that he could just dream he lived, it up? He lived out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's like, well, I mean, well, for, he's not very sober. I will for, I will say that he's not quite as terrifying as a sober yeah. writer. Well, I mean, I think there's something different about the minds of of people who are artistically gifted. I mean, I, I think. It, you're going to know who I'm talking about here very H.H. H. Geiger. Yeah. That guy. Something completely wrong with him. Or or to cross over, you could have uh, Clive Barker. Oh, well. Who does sculpture, actually, painting, and some of the most fucked up books ever written. Um, yeah, but I th- he does. But I, And I'm going to say, I think the reason he does those is because he's gay. Hmm. 
I know that sounds fucked up, but there's that sense of alienation you get even from the Hellraiser stuff. You don't get that from other writers. I, I and, think it's just his his brain is radically different to everybody else's. <laughs> maybe, but I was going to say, I mean, like I know Geiger create, created the things he created because he had night terrors. Well, that's that's like Clive Barker's excuse as well. It's all oh, this is, stuff comes from my dreams. It's like, Jesus. how do you sleep? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Remember all the times when we were doing these stupid stories about this profiling of preschoolers and shit? Uh-huh. Um, Stephen King, I've, I've watched interviews of this man, you right. know, and, and for all intents and purposes, he is a very nice guy, you know? Okay. He's not scary, creepy, or anything like that. But you you read his books, and... You know, you can't help but think, what the fuck? Where does he come up with this shit? Now, had Stephen King gone to a school where they, you know, were doing this profiling of minors, which I think is kind of sick and demented in itself, um, he'd have probably ended up locked up for being nothing but creative. Yeah. I mean, the guy, I'm sorry, I think the man is a fucking genius. Right. I could never dream up the shit that he puts on paper. Well, and that all exists in his head. In this, in this twisted form of life that we have now, right. <laughs> if the guy wasn't a published author and he wrote some of this stuff down and somebody read it, you gotta know that some namby pamby piece of shit's gonna go. Oh, I'm afraid of this man that lives next door to me. There's something wrong with him. The cannibal cop. Remember the story of the cannibal cop, the guy yeah. they threw in jail. I don't think he ever. He really didn't do anything. I mean, that's the thing. He didn't do anything. Yeah, he's in jail for having fantasies about cooking and killing and eating his wife and, and other assorted women in his life. Um, you shouldn't be able to be locked up for the shit that goes on in your head. You just shouldn't. And and most people don't talk about it, don't write about it. The only way it's safe is to just leave it in there. Then there are the people who like have to write about it or they will end up in jail. So it, it's, it's, I think it's a fine line between a murderer and a person who writes about murder. Yeah. I do. Oh, another good writer. Ian Banks, sadly missed now, but uh, should read his stuff. Mm. The Crow Road. <laughs> uh, well, very read The true. Crow Road well, and it will mess bark. with your head. <laughs> Clive Barker's great. Yeah. yeah. He is. But Ian Banks, Scottish writer, uh, who Stirling University used to keep inviting to come and give talks to English students, you know, people mm-hmm. studying English, when they'd kicked him out. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was at Stirling doing English and got booted out of the university because he wasn't good enough and went on to become an internationally best-selling author. 
There's something. Come speak, come speak to our students, even though you weren't good enough to be one. Well, I did English for a bit, at Sterling, and one of his books was on the course. <laughs> the amazing, bridge, that one. I wouldn't recommend you read the bridge, because that really, really will screw your head up. Okay. N- not because of the content, because of the way it's written. Okay. It's written but- in basically okay. Glaswegian. Um, is, what was I going to say? House of Falling Leaves? Has anybody read that book? Uh, no. Okay. You want to mind fuck. House of Falling Leaves is a really good one. But you have to get the hardback copy. You cannot get the Kindle copy. You've ne- I've never seen anything like this before. Jan, I can't hold books. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I should have mentioned that West Prairie. Prop- I can't hold a book. Yeah. Well, um, you know. Oh, that leads us. Somebody's mentioned it in chat. Yeah, Wes yeah. Craven went. Yeah, he did. He died. And I yesterday. still believe my comment I put on your story, John, that yeah. God, if I was the coroner, I would be prodding the body every two minutes just to make sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, seriously? Wes Craven died? Yeah. yeah. He died last night. He died, like, right after... He died right after Kanye West made his fucking speech. I'm not saying Kanye West killed Wes Craven, but... <laughs> Anything is possible. I don't know. <sighs> it feels like it was a good show. Yeah. I don't feel depressed at the end of it. Sorry, not down. <laughs> so, I guess that's it for this evening. Advert. Why spend hours searching for in-stock ammunition when you can use AmmoSeek.com? AmmoSeek.com is a search engine for finding ammunition, reloading components, magazines, and guns for more than 300 calibers at more than 60 online retailers. AmmoSeek.com only shows items that are in stock and readily available for shipping. You can search by caliber, grains, manufacturer, and more. The results are displayed by cost per round, so you are able to get the very best pricing on your ammunition of choice. Find ammunition at the best prices, fast. Amoseek.com. Night, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next Monday.